So just exactly how do we talk with donors about donor advised funds? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Vicki Pugh. Vicki serves on the faculty of the fundraising school and leads a national consulting firm helping nonprofits with fundraising and other nonprofit management and leadership opportunities. Vicki, great to have you back with us on the Fundraising Schools podcast. Great to be here. Vicki, I know this comes up in your own fundraising as you teach for the fundraising school, as you work with your clients across the United States. Donor advised funds, now, they perhaps aren't the mystery that they were, say, five years ago to a lot of fundraisers, but we still get this question, how do I find out that a donor has a donor advised fund? What advice do you have for us? I think first we have to keep in mind why donors set up donor advised funds. They often do it to fly under the radar with their philanthropy. They don't wish to have a lot of nonprofit organizations connecting with them or contacting them to ask them for support. They also may have set up a donor advised fund because they had a liquidity event and they needed it for some tax planning. Uh, They also like to use donor advised funds to be able to respond quickly when fundraising needs are out there. So I think it's good to keep in mind why donors set them up in the first place, which makes them a little bit, as you say, more mysterious to us fundraising professionals. So one of the best ways to find out if someone has a donor advised fund is just simply to ask them. As you are cultivating the donor and you are talking about strategies for giving, bring it up in the conversation. What ways do you give to organizations? because donors can give in many different ways, including through their donor advised funds. So simply just asking them as part of that conversation is important. You can also look to see if someone's given you a gift through a donor advised fund in the past. If they have, you can put them on your mailing list. You can cultivate them as donors, just as you would any donor. And then when it's time for them to give again, you can remind them to give through their donor advised fund. Um, You can also publicly advertise that you take donor advised fund gifts. You can do that in all of your marketing, your website, your fundraising appeals. Believe it or not, sometimes donors forget that they have a donor advised fund. I've even worked with some donors where I've had conversations on the phone and I know they have a donor advised fund and I remind them, well, you could make a gift this year through your donor advised fund. So sometimes if they set it up quickly or again, if they've had a liquidity event or I worked with a donor that was a lottery winner and they had to set up some planning vehicles really fast, philanthropic planning vehicles very quickly. And uh, they just they let it alone for a while and they didn't remember that they, they had it to give from. So that happens occasionally too. So those are kind of some tips to help remind donors that they have a donor advised fund and just ask them, ask them if they have one. In addition to Vicki's excellent advice there, our school's research shows that our donor advised fund donors tend to be our more strategic donors, that they're putting the money aside to have a larger impact with their gift, either at the right time with a larger amount or when there's an urgent reason. So for example, the data show that dollars from donor advised funds went up and went up considerably during and after the Great Recession and during the worst days of the COVID-19 pandemic. And that just kind of buttresses this idea that folks want to be strategic. So, so Vicki, I want to go back to this idea of, you know, finding out that a donor has a donor advised fund and are they going to give from that donor advised fund. We don't want to sound transactional. Remember back in the day, will that be cash, check, or charge, right? <laughs> we don't want to do that with our donors. So, you know, at what point does this come up in the conversation that, you know, do you have a donor advised fund? And 
could I expect to see a gift, especially if your name isn't going to be on that gift if you're staying anonymous? I would say to any fundraising professional that a dialogue with a donor is probably the most important way for you to talk about ways to give, including from the donor advised fund. So when you're developing those cultivation steps and strategies, that's the perfect time to mention it. However, as I said before, you really need to think about donor advised funds in a lot of different ways. The dialogue with the donor, yes, most important, but where are you sharing with donors that you accept donor advised funds? Do you have a place on your website where you list all ways that a donor can give? Yes, transactionally through the cash, the check, or through a donor advised fund, or are you interested in a planned gift? If you have those on your website, sometimes that jogs a donor's memory. Oh, I can use my donor advised fund and I can think more strategically, as you mentioned, about how I can give that gift. On a giving brochure, do you have a place that says, if you're interested in talking to us about how to use your donor advised fund to make a gift, just let us know. We'll be happy to talk through that. Keep in mind, donors cannot make pledges, formal pledges, written pledges through their donor advised funds. That's a little frustrating to those of us who are doing capital campaigns, endowment campaigns. However, they can use their donor advised funds to pay a pledge as long as it's not in writing. So they may say to you, well, I really want to make this strategic gift over five years. I cannot formally sign that pledge, but I can. That is my plan, my strategic plan to give to you a gift every year for five years for whatever the whatever the purpose is. And so you mentioned the kind of limitations around comprehensive campaigns. We also know there's some limitations around, you know, special events. Somebody can't use their donor advised fund to purchase a table or the foursome at the golf event and so forth. But but more broadly, are we talking, Vicky, about annual fund fundraising? Or are we talking about major gift fundraising? And and the reason I ask the question is this again what the research is showing is that more than half of the disbursements called grants, more than half of the grants from donor advised funds uh, are unrestricted in terms of the number of the grants. But in terms of the dollars, more than half of the dollars are restricted, much like in a major gift giving campaign. How do you, what do you think about that data? Where does your mind go in terms of advice for fundraisers as they think about their annual fund and their major gift campaigns? And they know the donor has a donor advised fund. Yeah, I think, both is is the strategy. Donors give small gifts from donor advised funds and they give large gifts from donor advised funds. It just depends on the donor and their strategic purpose for setting up the fund. So as you get to know the donor better, you can delve a little bit deeper into major gifts through that donor advised fund and possibly some very significant gifts over time. Donors can even set up some legacy provisions through their donor advised fund. So if you have a donor that's giving you major gifts over time through their donor advised fund, that might be worth a conversation as you start bringing up planned giving opportunities. How can you use your donor advised fund to make a legacy gift as well? And Vicki, in your earlier answer too, you talked about as we communicate with donors, we find out that they might give cash here, they might give a check here, they might use a credit card here, they might use a donor advised fund there. How important is it for fundraisers to know that if, if the donor has a donor advised fund, this isn't necessarily the only way that they're giving, that this is part of a portfolio of sources that the donor is utilizing? Yes, and we know that some major, major donors 
um, you hear their names all over the place, are setting up donor advised funds instead of foundations to do some very significant giving. So donor advised funds can be used very strategically, just as a foundation can, to really make some significant gifts to organizations. So don't count out the fact that that's a, a can be a very large part of a donor's portfolio. I mean, we used to think about donors with foundations, private foundations, we still do. They may have individual gifts that they can give um, through their wealth or they can give through their foundation. Well, this works the same way. Donors, very wealthy donors have lots of ways, as you mentioned, to give. Um, and certainly a donor advised fund can be used in combination with a personal gift to really elevate that possibility. And so we need to keep in mind this wide range of possibilities. And again, as Vicki mentioned, folks are setting up donor advised funds instead of private family foundations. Not everybody, but some of them are doing that. Why? Because a private family foundation is a nonprofit organization and I have to fill out my chartering documents and get state approval, then do it again with the federal government and fill out the 990s every year and have a board and, or I can just set up a donor advised fund. So it's just a lot more direct for so many donors these days. And, and Vicki, as you mentioned, donors can stay anonymous. Now, fortunately, our data at our school shows that fewer than 10% of donors stay anonymous when they make their donor advised fund gift. But what in the world should I do? And I want to say thank you and maintain the relationship. And, and here comes the check. And it's from one of those private wealth management organizations that hosts donor advised funds or the local community foundation and there's no name of the donor, what do I do? Number one, you respect the anonymity of that donor. If they wanna remain anonymous, then you should keep them anonymous. A couple of things you can do though, if you do wanna say thank you to the donor, you can contact the donor advised fund issuer and ask if they would forward a thank you email or a thank you letter to that particular donor. And sometimes they will. I mean, keep in mind, it's always good to have these reminders you are not required to send a thank you and a receipt to a donor that's given through a donor advised fund, just a thank you if they don't wish to remain anonymous. Usually the donor advised fund issuer will give you their name and address. You can send that thank you, no receipt required. No receipt or thank you is required to the donor advised fund issuer. Whoever's issuing the check, whether it's a community foundation or a commercial DAF, you do not need to send them anything. They don't need any more paperwork. They've told me that, and I work for a community foundation, so I can vouch for that. If the donor advised fund gift comes through and the donor wants to be anonymous, you can, again, ask the issuer if they will forward a thank you. If not, then you just have to respect that it's anonymous. And you may not find out who that donor is, but you hope that you can get some communication to them and eventually they will feel comfortable with the relationship that they will reveal their name and work with you on a trusting donor advised fund relationship going forward. And to just to amplify a key point there on technicality, yes, you don't need to send a tax receipt because... The donor already received tax consideration when they put the money into the donor advice fund in the first place. You know, Vicki, as I ask you to think about final advice for fundraisers here, if somebody has taken the step of setting up a donor advice fund, again, much more uh, easier than setting up a private family foundation, but taking steps nonetheless, they didn't just, you know, keep the money in a ball canning jar out in the backyard and go get it when it was time to donate. You know, they didn't keep it just in a basic savings account. They still took the steps as part of their 
wealth management to create a donor advised fund that has to tell us that philanthropic giving at some level and maybe a deeper level is important to them. So as we keep that in mind about these wonderful donors with donor advised funds, what final advice do you have for fundraising? Well, I would say keep donor advised funds at the top of your list as ways that people can give, give strategically and give large gifts. We see gifts from donor advised funds escalating exponentially every year. There are over a million donor advised funds that are now created with commercial donor advised fund institutions and community foundations. So number one, it should be on your radar and be a priority as you're talking with donors. Mine your own data, find out what donor advised funds are being given or given through to your organization. Make sure you have those donors on your radar screen, you're cultivating them, you're trying to get to know them. Because if somebody has a donor advised fund, as you say, they probably want to be philanthropic and strategic about their philanthropy. A last point is you can develop some relationships with donor advised fund issuers, especially community foundations. If you're receiving donor advised fund grants through community foundation donor advised funds, get to know the people at the community foundation. They will help you navigate some situations if you need to. They may even, as they are advising people that hold donor advised funds, on their philanthropic giving, if they know you, they know the mission of your organization, a little bit about what you do, and you are great at handling donor advised fund gifts, they may even recommend your organization when they are advising donor advised fund holders. So those are some tips, hopefully helpful as all of us fundraisers continue to keep our eyes on this growing donor advised fund opportunity. And some folks in our audience want to consider the possibility of hosting donor advised funds within their own nonprofit. Need to be a little larger, need to have a little bit more capacity, but it is something you can do. It doesn't have to just be in the private wealth management space or in community foundations. We work with some folks at the fundraising school that they host donor advised funds, and they do that as a way to provide yet another service to their donors. At Indiana University, we host donor advised funds, and there's one simple rule of the distributions, at least half need to come to the university as we provide you with this service, and other nonprofits have similar rules as well. Now, we talk about donor advised funds quite a bit in our courses at the fundraising school, certainly in principles and techniques of fundraising, also our major gifts course, and throughout our custom training as well. Our public courses are available in cities across the United States in person. We're also online, either recorded or live in the United States and around the world with those two dozen courses and four certificates and even our custom training, which can be designed specifically for your nonprofit, your association, your region, whatever fundraising that you need to be trained on. Now, we also have our textbook, Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, fifth edition, came out early in 2022. And we also have quarterly webinars and these free podcasts, all the information available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. I'm so grateful for my colleague, Vicki Pugh, helping us understand fundraising from donor advised funds. She's such a wonderful exemplar of the quality of instruction that we have at the fundraising school. Our producers today, Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm-hmm.